Robert Frost famously wrote about a choice that lay before him and really before all of us. He wrote, Two roads diverged in the yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Frost sets the stage for the decision, a decision that we must all make at one time or another. Two roads diverge, and perhaps like Frost, we wish that we could travel both, or at least we could follow the wisdom of the late great philosopher Yogi Berra, who suggested when we come to a fork in the road, you take it. It's true, these decisions lay out there before us. What are we to do? How are we to decide? So we make pros and con lists, and we try to anticipate outcomes and predict what the future might hold. Like Frost, we try to look down and peer as far as we can, trying to anticipate what might be lying just around the bend, and yet we know that we can only see So far, the future is seemingly hidden amidst the undergrowth. We want what is best for us, for our families, and for the communities that we love and care about. So that many of us will agonize over what to do as we wrestle with which way is the best way. Two roads diverge in the yellow wood, and we are sorry that we could not travel both as we seek to live a life of blessing, a life of abundance, a life of happiness, a life of fulfillment. Somewhere along the way, a question arises of just whose definition of a blessed life are we going to use? As people of the Christian faith, we turn to Jesus, who in turn gives us this absolutely jarring list as he begins his Sermon on the Mount. That day, Jesus ascends the mountain, taking the traditional position of authority. There he is up on a mountain, but also the traditional pose of a teaching rabbi. He's sitting down, and he begins to speak. He begins to teach, and he's speaking to his disciples, his closest followers. But to be sure, he's also speaking to the crowd gathered that day. In other words, he's speaking to everyone, including us. And he begins with a word on blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who suffer for his sake. These, according to Jesus, these are the ones who are blessed. But this is not what we would expect. It's not what we would list. Dare I even say this is not what we believe. And I say that because if we really did believe that the poor in spirit and the meek and the mourning and the blessed are the blessed ones, then our actions, our behaviors, and our priorities would look a whole lot different. Maybe if we were to create our own list of blessedness, it might look something like this. 
Blessed are the rich. Blessed are the powerful and educated. Blessed are those with tenure. Blessed are those who are realistic and practical. Blessed are the crafty and opportunistic. Blessed are the bold who don't mind stepping on the little guy along the way. Blessed are those who do good and receive accolades. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, Frost wrote. And like him, perhaps we wish that we could travel both, but it doesn't seem that that is possible. On one hand, we do follow Jesus. We, we listen to what this great rabbi teaches. We clean up and we come to church. But on the other hand, we live in a world full of other teachers and other teachings and opportunities that also beg for our time, for our attention, and our resources. How do we know which road to take? The Reverend Christine Chacoan says this is precisely why the words of Jesus are so jarring. Contrasting his words with the words of our culture, she helps us see the difference. She writes, Our culture says, Blessed are those with great prospects for marriage and work, because they will be successful. Jesus says, Blessed are the destitute, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Our culture says, blessed are those whose loved ones enjoy health, because they will not worry. Jesus says, blessed are those who grieve, because they will be made glad. Our culture says, blessed are those who enjoy power, because they will be the ones in charge. Jesus said, blessed are those who are humble because they will inherit the earth. Our culture says, blessed are those who can buy any pleasure, because they can do whatever makes them feel good. Jesus says, blessed are the poor and the people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be fed until they are full. Our culture says, blessed are those who have power to sit in judgment over others, because then they can boss people around. Jesus says, blessed are people who show mercy, because they will receive mercy. Our culture says, blessed are people who can run down their opponent by whatever means necessary, because they will see victory. Jesus says, blessed are people who have pure hearts, because they will see God. Our culture says, blessed are people who can beat their opponents, because then they will be winners. Jesus says, blessed are those who make peace, because they will be called the children of God. Our culture says, blessed are people whose lives are lived in total freedom to do whatever they want, because they have no constraints. Jesus says, blessed are those whose lives are harassed, because they are righteous, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Our culture says, blessed are people who are popular because you will be rewarded with a great reputation. Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you and harass you and speak all kinds of bad and false things about you, all because of me. So be full of joy and be glad because you have a great reward in heaven. 
Which one do we choose? Two roads diverge. Maybe like Frost, we wish that we could travel both. But we know at some point we must decide which path we will follow. Like Frost, the good poet, we we look down one road and, and then maybe down the other, trying to figure out where each path will lead us. But we can only see so far. Eventually, we've got to decide. I wonder right about now how many of you are expecting me to finish the Frost poem by imploring us to take the road less traveled. That would be the path of Jesus. After all, you've heard me say before that going down the path of life with Jesus, that's never a bad idea. In fact, if you take that road, it will indeed make all the difference. We could end here and the sermon could still ring true. But this morning, I'm not going to lead you or push you down one of the divergent roads. Why? Because I think that it's possible, and I think that it's necessary for us to walk both. How about that? Yogi Berra was right. When we come to that fork, we take it. Let me try to explain. I've got, I'm blessed with really smart friends. One of my friends and seminary classmates, Eric Barreto, he's now a professor of New Testament at Princeton Seminary. Eric says, the Sermon on the Mount is not about making a choice between the heavenly and the earthly but the inextricable and inseparable connectedness of the two. It's because the heavenly and the earthly are so entangled with one another, so tightly wrapped up and wound together, that it's nearly impossible to separate them. That is to say, these heavenly blessings can and they should be lived in the here and in the now. That is why we pray each week for God's will to be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. Why else would we pray that prayer if we don't have some hope that God's will on earth could be done here on earth? And God help us, God help us, if the poor in spirit, the meek, the merciful, the peacemakers, and so on, need to live this life in some sort of misery before encountering blessedness in some far-off and distant future. God help us. I mean, God really help us if the blessed life is only in some eschatological future for those with a far-off and distant hope. And I know that, that we confess that Jesus' beatitudes are nonsensical on the terms projected by the powerful, the rich, the comfortable, That is, if we're honest, they are nonsensical to most of us. How can weakness be powerful? How can peacemakers thrive in a world tinged with violence? How can persecution be a site of blessed transformation? But don't we believe that God's will can be done on earth just as it is in heaven? And wouldn't that mean a great deal of blessing for the downtrodden? 
Beretta reminds us that the Sermon on the Mount makes far more sense to Galilean peasants in the first century and to refugees fleeing violence and to hungry children who know the raw ache of an empty stomach. It makes much more sense to them than it might to those of us who live with more privilege than not. And Jesus speaks directly to those who suffer when he makes these promises. The question remains whether or not we will echo these promises, not just with the words we speak, but with every step that we take. You see, it turns out that the load less traveled is the one where the vulnerable receive the blessings. And those in positions of power and authority are and the ability to make change, they've actually got the courage to do something about it. The road less traveled is the one where the strong will comfort the weak, and the hungry are fed by those with more than enough. And the weak and the meek are lifted up by the bold and the brave, and the peacemakers are able to outnumber the warmongers. And the pure in heart make room for every heart around the table. Because when we try to look down that road, maybe we begin to see that something startling is beginning to appear, poking its head out beneath the undergrowth that seeks to hide it. We might see a glimpse of God's realm. We might just see a glimpse of God's preferred future for the world. We might just see God's kingdom breaking forth. Not just in the heavens, but here in our world among us. And if we can imagine it, then we can see it. And if we can see it, then we can help do it. And that might just make all the difference. Amen.